Hello and welcome to Young Nostalgia, the podcast that takes a trip down memory lane from two guys that never lived it. Um, thanks so much for tuning in and sticking with us for episode number 13 this month in history for the month of September. Remember to subscribe, rate, and share on Google Play and the podcast app. We're also on Stitcher, a listen anytime, anywhere free radio app with over 20,000 shows to discover, including Young Nostalgia. You can also create custom playlists, and it is free to download from the app store that you use today. That's Stitcher, and you can also find us on Google Play and Podbean, as well as iTunes. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You'll find our banners on our Podbean page, youngnostalgia.podbean.com. All right, Ben, how are you doing today, bud? I'm doing fantastic. It really sounds like we're racking up quite a list of uh, podcast hosting sites. I know. Well, it's <laughs> just like a laundry <laughs> list of like you know like a, what a Target receipt would be. Um, that's what we're really hoping for. <laughs> how are you doing? <laughs> Not too bad, bud. Anyway, Good. when we spoke about Target, I just want to throw this out there. Every time you go to Target, does it feel like you buy more than you went there to want to get? Like you go there and then your 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 bin or your cart fills up more than you actually want. Is there want it any to other way to go to Target? <laughs> Good. I'm glad I'm not the only one. No, no. I tell you, we always we always get the candy. It's Target's right next to the movie theater we go to, so we always go there to stock up on candy before going to the movie theater. That's the best. I love it. <laughs> Either that or beer. Well, yeah, that's a little bit more difficult to get into the movie theater, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. This month in history for September, um, what do you got for us kicking us off? All right, we've got September 1st, way back in 1715. King Louis XIV, also known as the Sun King of France, died. Um, this is a pretty... <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> I thought... It it just sounded like it was going to lead up to something big, but you were just like, he died. <laughs> well, he did. Well, I'm getting to that. I was just about to say, the really interesting part of this okay. is he ruled since the age of five. And at when it, at the time he passed away, um, he died at the age of 76. And at that time, he was succeeded by his, succeeded by his five-year-old grandson. Jeez. <laughs> five years old. Are you kidding me? In charge of a country, but it also says here, like, during his reign, he, he didn't really become of right. age until 1651 when he was eight years old. Oh, well, that three years um, makes all the difference. <laughs> oh, it really does, though. <laughs> I mean, I think I learned um, how to drive a car when I was, like, seven and to chug a beer at eight. So I think that's plenty yeah, voting by nine. to be able to rule the country. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I did not drink at the age of eight. Oh, well. <laughs> but during his reign, he was the leading power of, like, the France was a leading European power um, during his reign, which which was so definitely something to say. Um, and then, and then um, something interesting, too, when he was, like, when he got the governess from the cardinal, what was it? It was something that, like, he appreciates, you know, you being able to rule the country, but now I feel like, I'm ready to take it on. And he had, like, no advisors once he took it on, too. Wow. You know, maybe that's why they were, uh, it was a pretty uh, leading power at that time, is because no one, no other country could match the unpredictableness of a five or an eight-year-old. And and so there's, there's no way to plan. There's no way to get the cutting edge on someone who, you know, the mind of an eight-year-old who is, you know, bouncing off the walls all the time. 
Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> High energy. Maybe the maybe the, maybe it trickled down to the people. <laughs> All right, we got a lot to go through. What do you got coming up here, Nolan? All right, dude. September 2nd, 1752, the British ended their use of the Julian calendar, switching instead to the Gregorian calendar, resulting in a major adjustment as Wednesday, September 2nd, was followed by Thursday, September 14th. Now, the reason why we really put this in here <laughs> was this little bit. The correction resulted in rioting by people who felt cheated and demanded the missing 11 days back. <laughs> like, people lost their crap because they missed 11 days. You know, I at first thought on this, I was trying to figure out what what they lost in those 11 days. You know, like, <laughs> I, I don't I don't fully understand, like, uh, is there some sort of financial loss that you're taking by, you know, missing out on those 11 days? I, don't, I just don't fully understand. Like, you know, you'd think it would be a really weird thing to go through, but you think that it'd be like, okay, whatever, no big deal. You know, like, how <laughs> like, does it really you affect your life? I don't know. I mean, it might... You s- could say that... <laughs> You can say that you're 11 days older and then you never really, quote-unquote, aged. Yeah. I mean, you, just, it's like it's you, it's like back to the future. I mean, you're just kind of skipping. You're just you're going into the future. You ju- you go to sleep and you wake up and it's the future. Yeah. The only bad thing is, is like all those funny cat picture calendars are going to be ex- like... Oh, they wouldn't work anymore. Because, yeah, you'll have to get a whole new calendar. Boy, I really hope someone... Uh, monopolize that market you know they saw this coming and they're like oh we got to stock up way ahead of time <laughs> all right dude take it away <laughs> um <laughs> september 2nd uh again but this time in 1962 uh soviet russia agreed to send arms to cuba um leading to the october missile crisis after the shipments were discovered by the united states and this is pretty significant because I mean, these are two major, you know, terrible communist countries that are, you know, when the U.S. finds out about this, that they were, you know, talking to each other on the DL, and, uh, you know, there's there's uh, information and, you know, weapons going back and forth. I mean, that is a, that's a pretty major thing to, you know, just find out that's going on. Yeah, and the spy plan that, that flew over took the images, um, and it went straight to the White House, oh, I'm sure. obviously. And um, this what really spawned just the whole Cuban Missile Crisis with JFK and really kind of defined um, his early presidency on how he addressed this situation. Yeah, that's that's kind of that's really one of the key points that whenever anyone thinks about the the JFK presidency, that you know that's really one of the first things that come to mind as far as his mm-hmm. uh, the governing aspect of his presidency. Yeah. And I, I know we've talked about this before, but have you ever seen the movie like 14 Days Later or something? Uh, I can say that I have not. I think it, I think that's what it was called. But it was all about the Cuban Missile Crisis um, and really kind of follows behind the scenes with JFK and his brother Bobby um, in the White House as well, as long as like with McNamara. Super cool. <laughs> really good movie. Re- mm-hmm. Definitely recommend it. Yeah, I'll have to look into it. Just all right, add what that you to got the list of movies that we've talked about before. Oh, yeah, that's true. There's so many. All right, September 3rd, 1783, the Treaty of Paris was signed by John Adams, Ben Franklin, and John Jay, formally ending the American Revolutionary War between Britain and the United States. So that's kind of cool. 
Yeah, that is. That's just an, an interesting. That it's one of those treaties that are one of those uh, uh, milestones in the formation of the United States of America that that uh, isn't really talked about as much. Um, I, I remember hearing it from school and that sort of thing, but it's not one of those things that's really drilled in, like uh, you know, Declaration of Independence or or uh, the Federalist Papers, and you know, you know that that sort of thing. And and uh, it's interesting that we have these it has it was treaty of tree the tree i stumbled over my words i apologize um <laughs> these guys met and you know this is kind of where britain agreed you know this is we can't really continue this war we're not doing so hot and uh you know there's not really a whole lot we can do about you know letting the united states form at this point that's really yeah, what I was trying to the... say. I was just struggling getting the words out. <laughs> <laughs> I find this so interesting that they call it the Treaty of Paris, especially since France was such an influential character uh-huh. in the winning of the Revolutionary War right. for the Americans because we would have, I'm almost positive, we would not have won that war if the, if the French did not come over and help us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then and then the uh, with, you know, the, the meeting for the Treaty of Paris happening in, uh, in Paris... Uh, it, it's also you know it's we're kind of on friendly soil at that point, which is you know it's it's always nice to be uh, working trying to figure out a treaty when you're uh, on friendly soil. All right, big guy, your turn. <laughs> All right, uh, we've on September fifth, eighteen forty seven. We've got the birth date of Wild West legend Jesse James. He was born in. Centerville, Missouri. (laughs) Um, Following the American Civil War, Jesse and his brother Frank, uh, they formed a group of outlaws and they robbed banks, trains, stagecoaches, stores, you name it, they robbed it. Um, And then in 1882, uh, the governor of Missouri offered a $10,000 reward uh, for their capture, dead or alive. And this is after... uh, a member of the gang shot 34-year-old, or then a member of the gang shot 34-year-old Jesse in the back of the head in order to claim the reward. So he was eventually double-crossed by a member of of the gang. And I'm just, I, I'm kind of stuck on a $10,000 reward um, for 1882. That is a heck of a lot of money. I know. And then if you, if you were in the gang member's shoes, would you shoot Jesse James for an easy living life ahead of you for one shot, one kill, claim $10,000, or stay in the gang for a life of unexpected um, like dangers and stuff ahead, and you know that the price is above your head, what would you do? Would you shoot him? You know, I don't... Yeah, that's, kind of a, that's kind of a hard question, because you also have to think about, like, if you do shoot him, you've... How are the other members of the gang going to take that? You know what I mean? Like that's true. You're gonna have to be pretty careful, minding your p's and q's, to make it out of there alive. I would assume, um, unless they're all <laughs> yeah, thinking the same true. thing. So whoever takes the first shot. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, <laughs> at that point, you might be once once he gets killed, then they might be fighting each other over who gets to turn him in for the reward. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! All right, <laughs> let's move on. September sixth, nineteen ninety one. Um, you know, <laughs> I'm just glad that you and I are on good terms. 
I don't have ten thousand dollars on my head. I was gonna anyway. say I don't think but, anyone so, has a reward for us. <laughs> September sixth, nineteen ninety one, Leningrad was renamed, uh, renamed Saint Petersburg by Russian legislators following the collapse of the Soviet Union. Russia's second largest city had been known as Leningrad for sixty seven years in honor of Vladimir Lenin, founder of the Soviet Union. So I I I don't have too much to say about this, but um, something interesting, I guess. I mean, it, it kind of marked a change of of like the Russian culture. Yeah, I mean, it, they had a city. It was a fair, a, a major city, you know, and very prominent in in news and you know socioeconomic sphere. And it was named after a major. Well, I mean, one of the main leaders in communism and so you know it kind of besmirches anything you know anything good that the city has going for it you know i mean it is you know i mean still in russia at this point so it's i don't know how you know good off it was you know recovering um from the communist rule but you know no matter what's happening you're still being dragged down by you know a city the name of the city named after lenin you know it's kind of Kind of still dragging you down, even if it's just morale-wise. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. What's next? All right. On September second, we have the birthday of Queen Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth the first, and this is all the way back. This is probably one of our oldest uh, points in this this month in history. This is back in fifteen thirty-three. Uh <laughs> She was born in Greenwich Palace. Um, she was the daughter of King Henry VIII and Anne Boleyn. Boy, I hope I'm pronouncing that uh, correctly. I do not really know. <laughs> it looks good. <laughs> yeah, it sounds good. I just got to act like I know what I'm talking about. She ascended the throne in 1558 at the age of 25. Um, of course, during her reign, Britain became a world leader um, with their defeat of the Spanish Armada. Um, and then following that, the Anglican Church was also fully established during her reign of power. Yeah, I, I can't speak too like too in-depth about this just because I really can't I'm not well versed in <laughs> it well is versed in the British monarch it is just an I think interesting Queen anecdote, really, anecdote in history though yeah and definitely and, and I, I think I'm guessing it kind of started the line of Queen Elizabeth oh. names oh yeah I'm sure yeah all right what you got next for all us? right September <laughs> September 8 1883 the Northern Pacific Railroad across the U.S. was completed and this is really kind of cool kind of um, exemplifying the manifest destiny that, you know, the, the sea to shining sea kind of U.S. mentality at this time. So construction began in 1870, and the main line opened all the way from the Great Lakes to the Pacific when former President Ulysses S. Grant drove in the final quote-unquote golden spike in western Montana. Um, main activities for the uh, railroad was shipping wheat and other farm products, cattle, timber, as well as minerals. And they also brought uh, consumer goods, transporting pastures, and selling land. So um, I, I, <laughs> I guess it could have been just easy enough to say the main activities were what all of the other railroad aspects <laughs> were back then. 
Yeah, well, I mean, it was basically, it did all the same stuff a normal railroad does, except this one was really long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, but, yeah, that is, that is, when did it start? Uh, 1870. Yep. Okay, 13, 13 wow. years. Wow, that is a long time. I mean, of course, we all know, you know, watching construction projects, you know, go on now. I mean, I can't really say it'd probably be finished any sooner than it would be, you know, it wouldn't be finished any sooner nowadays. The way that yeah yeah that's the way that construction <laughs> projects seem to go now sometimes. <laughs> uh, no offense if there's any construction workers listening. <laughs> hey man, you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on. September 9th, seventeen seventy six. The United States came into existence existence as the Continental Congress changed the name of the new American nation. Of the new American nation from the United States, the United Colonies, excuse me, holy cow. So it went from United (laughs) Colonies to the United States. Correct. Yep. Okay. (laughs) And so that's cool. Of course, that is kind of, it's not really a a huge uh, uh, point. Nothing, you know, huge really happened other than that, you know, at this on September 9th. Um, other than just the significance of the name change, I mean that was it was a pretty big, um, it was a significant a significant event going from United Colonies, which is kind of a uh, it's a preliminary um, a preliminary name that kind of means forming in the process of you know getting uh, building up into the United States, and so it it kind of marks the turning point into becoming a country. Yeah, and it really allowed the U.S. to kind of be its own entity rather than when you think of, like, colonies or colonizations. It was the major powers in Europe mm-hmm. that, you know, traveled across the Atlantic and started spreading out that way. Mm-hmm. So It kind of it, symbolically it kind of severs that last that uh, tie, you know, to the, to the uh, nation of ownership. Exactly. Cool. September 10th, 1919, following the defeat of Germany in World War I, the victorious allies signed the Treaty of St. Germain, ceding parts of pre-war German Austria to Italy and Czechoslovakia. Austria was also forbidden to unite with Germany. And so this was something that we really wanted to put in here and touch on just because um, after World War I, which was considered the war to end our all world, end all wars, <laughs> this whole Treaty of St. Germain kind of laid the foundation and groundwork for, you know, World War II to begin because Germany was so oppressed and, you know, just put into the back corner to make sure that they wouldn't rise as a power to, to um, you know, kind of cause the destruction that World War One caused. Mm-hmm. There was, you know, with all of the... All of the sanctions that were put on, you know, multiple countries, you know, with this this treaty, um, it kind of fostered uh, so much resentment towards, you know, uh, the allied uh, nations that, I mean, there's nation mostly the European nations at the time, you know, the bordering uh, bordering countries that, you know, th- there was the the mixture of the resentment and the the uh, hardship especially financially that i mean there wasn't 
you could just looking back on it now i mean hindsight's always 2020 but you can kind of see you you know even if you don't know the history you can just look at that and you can kind of sort of predict out what's you know going to happen there's going to be some sort of um, uprising you know people are going to be looking for someone you know to put hope into and you know uh, that that's how a a powerful party and a powerful regime forms um it's from people wanting you know not wanting to live like that and you know they have to have someone to put hope in and put their trust into and that's was a huge aspect in the build-up of the world war ii exactly all right dude your turn (laughs) all right we've got september 12th 1953 john f kennedy uh 36, married Jacqueline Bovier, Bovier, 24, in a ceremony before 750 invited guests at the St. Mary's Church in Newport, Rhode Island. Um, And it was officiated by the Archbishop Richard Cushing of Boston. And we really just put this one in here because of the kind of kind of the prominence of JFK um of his presidency he's a well-known president and he's just known I mean I don't really know how to describe it fully um just JFK has this the air of of coolness and then you know when we have a wedding uh like this 750 invited guests and it was you know it was a pretty big uh wedding of very uh prominent families Mm-hmm. And so we just we felt like this needed to go in the in the September this month in history because of this prominence. Yep. And just one last thing is I feel like Jackie Kennedy is such a classy first lady, like so classy. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, all right, September 13th, 1814, the Battle of Fort McHenry in um, Baltimore Harbor occurred, observed by Francis Scott Key aboard a ship. He watched the British attack overnight and at dawn saw the American flag still flying over the fort, inspiring him to write the verses, which were later coupled with a tune of a popular drinking song, which we'll get to, and became the U.S. (laughs) National Anthem in 1931, officially being voted by Congress for the National Anthem. But it was kind of adopted as a National Anthem in 1919, but 1931 is when it was officially adopted by Congress the u.s government anyway so about the drinking song we looked this up and looked more into it so what happened was that they actually um turned the um lyrics and sang it to a popular tune of a drinking song in london called um to anacreon in heaven which was by a high society drinking club in london so that's kind of how the whole association between the two came together Mm mm-hmm so. And that was, and and we looked that up, and it was not so much like the the current one is not so much to the tune of that song, but the original, um, basically poem written by Francis Scott Key. He was thinking of that song as he was writing this out, and so it's not the the, the current um, current tune is not of the national anthem is not the same as this drinking song necessarily. Um, it was the original writing was based off of it. Yeah. All right, All right. What's next? I'll move on here. September 14th of 1901, eight days after being shot, President William McKinley died from wounds um, that he suffered during an assassination attempt in Buffalo, New York. 
Um, this, of course, led to uh, President Theodore Roosevelt taking his spot soon thereafter. Big old Teddy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, every presidential assassination is something that really shakes a country. Um, and and this, is, this would be nothing different. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just thought it would be important just because of the the magnitude that it has on the on the yeah. people so exactly i'll kind of go off of that here for a second and the you know it doesn't it, it it really doesn't matter you know if the what party the president was from the you know if people who necessarily like the president or if there's huge support for the president i mean that's still the president of the united states you know, being assassinated, and that's still has a tremendous impact on the country. And I mean, you know, with the with the power that the United States has in the world, has a huge impact on the world too. Oh yeah. And so it's most definitely that's something like that happening is always something that's you know worthy of talking about. Definitely. All right. So moving on, September fifteenth of nineteen sixteen, tanks were first used in combat during the Allied offensive at the Battle of the Somme in World War One, So we can just brightly touch on this, but I know we, <laughs> Ben and I kind of <laughs> discussed on... Tanks were more of an in- intimidation factor rather than actually useful in battle. There were so many mechanical problems with it, and the way, does it, the way that they were designed, they would like go over trenches, but then just get stuck, <laughs> and they wouldn't be able to do anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the idea of the tank... You know, thinking about it in theory was, I mean, great. I mean, you have this big, hulking, armored, massive vehicle. Well, I mean, this was still 1916, and, and there wasn't, you know, they, they were super slow. The the technology of the time, they were relatively unreliable, and they were just, I mean, at that time, you get stuck on a tank crew, I mean, that is like, that would like bottom of the barrel job because you are in, I mean, it, it had to be crazy hot and humid inside of those tanks. And so it's, you know, in addition to just being slow and lumbering on the battlefield, not, you're also just crammed inside this tiny <laughs> little sweat box. <laughs> and like you said, I mean, I'm sure a huge part of their effectiveness was just the initial shock and awe you know of seeing this big huge thing on the battlefield just a big hunk of muddle <laughs> all right i'll move on here at september 16th 1620 the mayflower departed from england bound for america with 102 passengers and a small crew uh there were along the way there were dangerous atlantic storms um before they reached Provincetown, Massachusetts on November 21st. Uh, The Pilgrims disembarked at Plymouth Rock later on on December 26th. Pretty much the beginning, man. Yep, that's kind of what started it all. (laughs) (laughs) All right, September 17th, 1908, the first fatality involving powered flight occurred as a biplane piloted by Orville Wright fell from a height of 75 feet, killing Lieutenant Thomas E. Selfridge, his 26-year-old passenger. A crowd of nearly 2,000 spectators at Fort Myer, Virginia, observed the crash of the plane, which was being tested for possible military use. Wright himself was seriously injured, but 
was able to survive. You know, when we were putting together these show notes. That was some. That was something that I'd really never heard anything about. I was not aware of that ever happening. To be honest. Yeah. All all I know is like the whole miracle of flight on the beach when mm-hmm. they were, um, you know, the Wright brothers were just doing their thing. Yeah. I mean, when that's when they were developing their their powered flight. Yeah. And then you know, this is something we. It, I can't say we. I've ever talked about it in school. Everything is always just uh, uh, hammering away at the you know the initial flight and the uh, the historical moment you know of the first uh, sustained powered flight and you know no one really talks about you know this happening until you know or not really much ever. I mean, it's just kind of their initial achievement, and then nothing really after that yeah no another good trivia question there you go (laughs) yeah it is (laughs) (laughs) all right bud um we got september 18th 1947 the u.s air force was established as a separate military service cool that's pretty awesome do you (laughs) do you have much It, it is awesome i mean that one's kind of that one's pretty much straightforward. We don't really have too much, uh, too much more input on that one here. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, hey, military always respectful. Um, so oh, we go of from nineteenth to the twentieth, nineteen eighty-five. Earthquakes in Mexico City killed an estimated five thousand to twenty thousand people and left more than one hundred thousand homeless, causing four billion dollars worth in damage. The quakes registered eight point one and a seven point five on the Richter scale, and um, we actually put in some notes about the um, earthquake in Mexico that happened just last week. Seven point one and a strong shaking for about twenty seconds. Um, so seven point one on the Richter scale, shaking for twenty seconds last week, and the quake occurred on the thirty-second anniversary of the same nineteen eighty-five Mexico City earthquake. So really bizarre. That is so bizarre. How it, you know, be, it would be weird enough if it was like same time of year. Yeah. You know, and to happen the, you know, on the anniversaries. That's that's weird. It, really weird. <laughs> Maybe every thirty-two years. It's like, yeah, um, dang. Okay, <laughs> well, I guess we can move on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, September twentieth, eighteen seventy-three. Uh, for the very first time, the Un- the New York Stock Exchange was forced to close, um, and that was the first time in history the stock exchange has ever closed, and it resulted in the banking crisis during the financial panic of 1873. Wow. Yeah, I mean that's that's just one of those ones where it, it it's it's something that you don't really ever ever think about. Um, you know, I mean it made up. A very long run of you know of uh not necessarily i was about to say successful um but that's not the r- the right choice of words the, the a long run of you know, not closing <laughs> yeah. which i guess i guess in the end if you know if you're still open then i i guess that's successful right yeah and i always feel like it's just something with the way the stock exchange works where i always feel like there's always you know like peaks and lows but mm-hmm. then every once in a while it almost needs to just like start from scratch because something in the world something in the nation is happening um and it just like needs to be built back up again mm-hmm. as devastating as that is yeah that's true 
September 22nd, 1776, during the American Revolution, Nathan Hale was executed without a trial after he was caught spying on British troops on Long Island. His last words were, quote, I only regret that I have but one life to lose for my country. And that that is one of my favorite quotes of all time. <laughs> <laughs> I think we could just end it right there. Yeah. All right. Show's <laughs> over. Good night. <laughs> all right let's uh let's keep it moving here we've got a birthday um we've got the birthday of american journalist and influential commenter walter Lippmann, uh born in 1889 uh in new york um and uh, a famous quote that everyone seems to uh know or at least has heard of um goes Without criticism and reliable and intelligent reporting, the government cannot govern. Um, and that's that's one of those um, that's one of those statements where uh, truer words have never been spoken. Yeah, definitely. I just feel like we went pow pow with the big influential quotes right back to back. Oh, we did. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got another birthday coming your way. This is this, you were Henson. super excited about this one when we uh, did show <laughs> was? prep here. I have to say, you were. I was? Yeah, you were. I just <laughs> brought it up, and you're like, we have to put it in. We have to put it in. <laughs> Birthday puppeteer Jim Henson, born in 1936, was born in Greenville, Mississippi. He was he created the Muppets, including Kermit the Frog and Bert and Ernie, entertaining and educating generations of children via the daily TV show Sesame Street. I don't know too much to say about it, but I mean childhoods are defined by sesame street i mean big bird was um i mean you just wanted to give him a hug all the time (laughs) i you know i never really watched sesame street too much and i didn't realize it was a daily tv show i mean me neither honestly when i read that i was like huh for as long but i guess like being being pbs and stuff yeah it's kind of what they do yeah that's true you know for for a show that's been around as long as that one has that is that's a lot of work to keep a show you know it's a lot of work to keep a long-running show on you know premiering every week let alone every day yeah that's amazing it's so cool just because of how much sesame street has been like integrated you see him on like the tonight show Mm -hmm. um you see him in movies it's it's just a big thing that people can connect with i don't know that is a lot of preparation and script writing and that sort of thing you know, I mean that—that's impressive. I—I I guess I—I yeah. I just didn't realize it was a Daily Show. Let alone the puppet work. You know. Yeah, yeah. Maybe their true. hands get tired after a while. Yeah, you learn something new every day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, we've got September twenty-fifth here in seventeen eighty-nine. The first U.S. Congress proposed twelve amendments to the Constitution, um, which then resulted in the. Uh, Bill of Rights. So 10 of those amendments were ratified, and that's what formed our Bill of Rights. Actually, a lot of just influential things in American history has happened in September. Yeah, September has been a great month for this month in history. I agree. Yeah, We're going to have to do September more often. (laughs) Just every this month in history, just do (laughs) September. It's going to be September. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, coming up to the tail end. Um, September 26th, we got two birthdays on September 26th. 1774, the birthday of American folk legend Johnny Appleseed was born in um, 
Leominster, Massachusetts. He was born as John Chapman. For 40 years, he traveled through Ohio, Indiana, and into Illinois planting orchards. He was friend to wild animals, animals and, and was regarded as a great medicine man by Native Americans. Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure almost everybody knows Johnny Appleseed and the folktale mm-hmm. of Johnny Appleseed going around with his pot on his head and all that good stuff. All right, well, um, I've got a quick question for you here. You know, I you know I grew up. We grew up, you know, hearing about Johnny Appleseed all the time, and I just I question whether is Johnny Appleseed as well known outside of the um, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois area. Like I'm asking you now because you now live in Nebraska. Um, have you is that something you would know? Like, do you is it ever talked about or anything like that? Um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I guess it's not I really a daily like talking to, point either here. I guess I, would, <laughs> I wouldn't say I'd go to work and be like, Hey, how you doing today? Have you heard of Johnny Appleseed? <laughs> all right. All right. Okay. Maybe it was a stupid question. I was just Don't wondering. Don't worry though. I'll, I'll go back to work and next week I'll have the answer for you. Okay, but you know what? I, that is a really, it's a really good question right, just well, because next week's show really I'm going to ask way. and you better have an answer. <laughs> I will. <laughs> I will. Let me write that down real quick. <laughs> anyway, the second birthday from September 26th is your very own Ben, a co-host of Young Nostalgia. That's true. He is turning the ripe old age of 23, <laughs> and he still looks good. Same day as Johnny Appleseed. <laughs> well, not the same day, but mine was considerably I mean, later. <laughs> <laughs> all right, the let's move on. Same day in the span of a year. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's move this train wreck along. <laughs> September 27th, 1964. Um, after a 10-month investigation, the Warren Commission report um, was issued stating a lone gunman, a lone gunman, had been responsible for the assassination of President John F. Kennedy in Dallas on November 22nd, 1963. And that is something that has been, you know, conspiracy theoried to this day. There has been non-stop theory and conjecture and alternate alternate theories and for what exactly happened um on november 22nd 1963 when jfk was assassinated oh my gosh yeah and there's the amount of the footage you know always happens to like move or the audio is so off from when the shot was fired and it's weird trying to just piece these things together obviously you know recording technology wasn't at its peak back in 1960s i <laughs> know uh, so it, it's just so weird to like try to debunk it and i can totally see how it almost took a whole year to really get down to the root of what could have possibly happened on that fateful day yeah and and you know n- now now that i think about it that's that's got to be the the driving factor behind you know everyone uh, well, not everyone, but uh, the uncertainty in what happened is the fact that there just wasn't, you know, there isn't a definitive video. It, you know, it's not in 4K ultra high definition, you know, exactly what 3D. happened. Yeah, it's not, yeah, we don't have it in 3D video. Um, and, you know, it's, so you, you can't see exactly what happened. And then that, that, of course, you know, leads to people always coming up with theories well actually you know now that i say that if it was shot in ultra high definition we had audio recordings we had it in 40 different camera angles you know darn well someone's still not going to believe it 
<laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> now that I think there's going to be some kind of some kind of controversy. <laughs> controversy. Thank um, <laughs> God. September 29th, 1901, another <laughs> birthday came our way. Nuclear physicist Enrico Fermi, born in 1901, died in 1954, was born in Rome. While teaching at the University of Chicago, he developed a method of causing nuclear fission, producing a chain reaction releasing explosive nuclear energy, which led to the development of the atomic bombs later in his lifetime. So I know we've talked about the whole impact of atomic technology so right. i don't know if we have to really beat the horse here but <laughs> yeah um, we've we've talked about that and i i think it's several other shows we've talked pretty heavy on that um and just i mean how that changed it that that really changed the world when that when uh, uh nuclear power and weapons and everything else you know started um becoming prominent Yep, and then now we have the problem of North Korea. Oh yeah, that is that would be a topic for a whole other series of shows. <laughs> All right, dude, wrap us up. <laughs> All right, we'll wrap up the show here with September thirtieth, nineteen fifty-five. Um, actor James Dean was killed in a car crash in California at the age of twenty-four. At the time, he had only made three major films. Uh, these would be Rebel Without a Cause, East of Eden, and Giant. Um, and despite those three, only three films, he is still a huge, um, uh, amazingly huge, uh, Hollywood icon. I know. I mean, there's songs about him. You always see his pictures at movie theaters. Oh, everywhere. Um, yeah, just, and, and I guess we can kind of relate it to, even our first episode and what you were saying about JFK earlier in this episode, how he just had that essence of cool, smooth style, Mm -hmm. bringing it to, you know, Hollywood itself, like Dean Martin did back then. Right. And I think, I think all of that probably culminates from rebel without a cause because that's, I mean, East of Eden, I've heard, you know, heard of that. I've never seen it. Uh, giant, not so much. Um, but everyone has at least heard of Rebel Without a Cause, and they know that it's James Dean, and that's kind of that's kind of just what he was the the persona of him in the movie. That's just what he's known for, um, yeah. And that's kind of leading that that his just overall coolness is for what he's known for, the rough around the edges. Right. Exactly. All right, so that wraps up our This Month in History for September. We're glad to be back and doing it and showing it. Well, I guess not really showing it, but doing it for you guys um, to enjoy it with (laughs) us. And that is Young Nostalgia. Thanks for coming down the trip down memory lane from us to never lived it but wish to experience it every day. Uh, Please feel free to subscribe, rate, and share on iTunes and Google Play. You'll find us on Stitcher as well, a free radio app with over 20,000 shows, and you can actually play it through your dashboard on over 4 million car models. You can create your own playlists. Free feel to do- um, download it for free wherever you get your apps. Young Nostalgia, add that to your playlist. Anyway, find us on our feed page at Podbean. Um, youngnostalgia.podbean.com if you have any ideas or want to be featured on a show want to give us a personal shout out give us an email at youngnostalgia2017 at gmail.com you'll find our Facebook and Twitter links on our Podbean page as well I don't think I got anything else how about you big guy anything I think you covered it all cool alright as we always say 
here on Young Nostalgia. Keep those bottles empty and the ashtrays full. Take care, everybody. <laughs>